please join me in the litany of invitation and confession. We open our hearts to God, who enters into covenant with us. We are blind before God, knowing God's judgment and trusting in God's grace. We see in the Bible that God is a God of beginning again. We give thanks for God's long-suffering patience and everlasting love. We give thanks for second chances. Even when we are faithless, God is faithful. After times of wondering, there is always the invitation to return home. On this first Sunday in Lent, we pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, we remember and claim the Bible's promise. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are forgiven. Let us lift our voices in gratitude and in praise to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. I know that it is a gloomy-looking day, and a rainy day, and a lose-an-hour day, but I knew that you would be here today. Most importantly, God is here today, so welcome to worship. If you're a guest today, a special welcome to you. There is on the edge of your order of service a welcome card. You would take a moment to complete that and drop it in the offering plate. It'll help me connect name and face with you. Also, for any of you who would like to make a prayer request, feel free to place that on the card as well and drop it in the offering plate. It's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need each week. Well, it's been a thick week and a full week, hasn't it? As we have started the season of Lent, we started with our Ash Wednesday service, and we'll continue with uh, Thursday Lenten services for the rest of Lent, but we have begun the season. Also, on this day, uh, we've, uh, this week, we've been, we've been through a time of memorial service, haven't we? And a time of grief for our church. And so we need, in this heavy-duty season, a heavy-duty prayer. And we've called on Reverend Clay Manley to offer the pastoral prayer, the morning prayer, today. And so, Clay, we thank you for praying with us and praying for us. 
The scriptures today, uh, I'll start with a gospel lesson, which will be the third lesson. It's about the temptation of Christ. Always the, that's the lesson we read on the first Sunday in the season of Lent. And I'll be preaching from that text, uh, the temptation of Christ. The text we're about to hear is the Old Testament lesson, as the leader said, as you go into the promised land, don't forget to take with you your story. Because you're going to need your story to remember who you are and who got you here. So we do the same. We do the same on this good day. Let's continue to worship God by opening our ears, but also our hearts. Welcome. Our hope comes from our memories of God's help. A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all of the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. Now when the priest takes the basket from your hand, and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God, saying, A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly, and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. And then you shall set the basket down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. Here ends the first lesson.
let us pray. O holy and righteous God, the chilling call of winter is upon us, and we are grateful for a warm house and warm memories. Not everyone is so blessed, so dear God, show us how to be a blessing to those who live on the dark edges of society, where each day is a battleground. The enemies are hunger and untreated illness and loneliness. Victories are scarce. Their numbers are beyond counting, and we seem unable to reach them. They are not saved, and we are not saved either. We are not saved from short-sighted ignorance. We are not saved from power-hungry politicians. We are not saved from paranoid military leaders, not saved from those who put money before morality and self before everything else. Knowing better is not doing better. Lord, have mercy upon us. Kyrie eleison, mercy, mercy, mercy. We are not saved from the physical and mental anguish to which our frailty is heir. Some of us are sick, physically sick, and we pray for them. Some of us are grieving. Our numbers fade with the years. Some of us are angry. Some of us are frustrated with work. Some of us are worried about family and friends. In all of this society, with all its special needs and frustrations and distress, Christ, have mercy upon us. Christe, eleison, have mercy. Have mercy. O Holy Master, in this Lenten season, grant us the blessing of patience and courage and hope. Grant us a vision and a dream. Bless us with the warmth of peace and the power of praise. Most of all, Lord, teach us the strength of silence. For our prayers made in the name of him whom to know is life eternal, even Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear us then when we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Christians are invited to celebrate the inclusive love of God. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans, Romans 10, 8b through 13. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if, we can, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here ends the second lesson.
Would all the children please come forward for our time together? You can put it in that plate. All right. Can I sit right here? Is that okay? I'll put this right here. Okay. Well, good morning. How's everybody today? Are you sleepy? Yeah, no, no, okay. Well, hey, look who I brought. Who is that? Flat Jesus. Did you take your flat Jesus home? Is he at your house? No. If, well, if you didn't make one, you know I have extra things to, to make a flat Jesus with, and I'll give you one today so you can take him home, and you can have him while you are doing your devotional with your family. Do you remember we took one of these home last week? You may not have seen it yet, but you can get one today, CJ, and you can take it home. Do you remember? Well, you know, this week you're going to do the first story in your devotional, because this is the first week of Lent. Can you say Lent? Lent. Look, I even have it purple. It matches all the colors in here, the stoles that everybody's wearing and the the colors up there on the table, because purple is our color for Lent. And you know, we started Lent. What is that? Where did I put on there? What, What, that cross made of what? What were those things that I had last week that we put on our hands and our ashes? That was Ash Wednesday. And look, we started Lent. This is like a treasure map. What's at the end of our treasure map? Easter. This is like a Lent treasure map right here. Look, and we go through and we got all these Sundays and we'll end up on Easter Sunday. We had to start with it. And so today's number one. And so... This, you want Easter. I know, Easter is my favorite, too. So what we're going to do is this week we're going to read this story about Jesus when he fed 5,000 people. And you know, he only he did that with only just a few fish and a few pieces of bread. How do you feed that many people with only that little bit of food? How do you do it? Can you do it? Oh, who had to help with that? God and Jesus. That was some awesome power, right? It's a good story. So make sure you read it this week. Because you know, this whole time in Lent, speaking of food, look at this. I got one of these cool crates from out here in the narthex. And if you look in your bulletin today, we're going to be collecting food. Kind of like this story, to feed a lot of people, okay? So that we can give food to everyone, kind of like Jesus gave food to everyone, okay? So we're, you can bring some jelly. You have jelly? Well, you can bring some, and then you can bring some, like some meat that's in packets like this, or like this, and then you can bring some cereal, too. You have cereal, too? Yes! Oh, man, I bet a lot of us have that. So, This Lent, we can think about what Jesus gave to other people, and we can give to other people too, okay? So let's say a little prayer. Dear God, thank you for all that you give us. Help us to be thankful and help us to give to others and to think of others all Lent through. 
In your name we pray. Amen. All right, our little ones are going to have music with Miss Mary Lou. You ready, Levon? Let's go. Okay. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, a reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was absolutely famished. So the devil said to him, Well... If you're the Son of God, then command this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all of this authority. For it's been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. So then, Jesus, if you will worship me, it will all be yours. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve only God. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down from here, for it is written, God will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So when the devil had finished every test, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. This is the Gospel of the Lord. According to the gospel lesson that you've just heard, it didn't take Jesus long as an adult to fall onto hard times, tough times, tempting times, and testing times. According to Luke, he goes right from being baptized in the river by John the Baptist into the wilderness. He duels with the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, right off the bat. Jesus has to deal with tough times. I think pastorally I need to name that we are walking through some tough times as a congregation, maybe as a country, 
other ways of uh, looking at life. These are not easy times, and some in our country and in our church are having tougher times than others. Even this week, as we walked through the time of another memorial service, just a week ago, I said that the home court of the church is knowing how to deal with death. Not every group in the world knows how to do that, but yet we believe in this thing called resurrection. We believe that the love of God is larger than the power of death. I was thinking this week, for a small church, we sure have large funerals. And we do so way too frequently. Um, As some might say, the big box churches don't do weddings and funerals. Can you imagine doing faith without the rituals of faith? It's like having the thread but no needle to stitch that which is coming unraveling together. I'm glad that we do not share away from the gravity of grief or from the buoyancy of hope that we hold on to both. For a little church, we leave a large footprint in the story of our city just by being ourselves. So, looking unto Jesus in this text, what do we need? What do you need to endure tough times? And if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have tough times. I mean, it'd be easier if we didn't. But if we're going to follow Jesus, it makes things tough. Two things. There could be 200, but settle for two today. We lost an hour of sleep, all right? (laughs) Two things. Number one is, for one thing, to get through tough times, you need a spiritual story, a big spiritual story. Tough times are endured by having a story that is enduring. I'm imagining that Luke went through several rough drafts on the way to ending up with this gospel. Like I can imagine him, he's got his pen out and he's writing. Uh, Let's see, the doctrine of Christology, uh, Roman numeral 1, Arabic uh, 1a, uh, no, that's not how I want to begin. Uh, let's see, the doctrine of theodicy. Uh, if God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? Roman numeral one, Arabic, no. I know, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. Let's see, if there are, it is a, maybe about that time, uh, Luke's granddaughter walks in the room. And the granddaughter says, Papa Luke, Papa Luke, would you take time to tell me a story? And maybe that's when the light goes off, that that's what he needs to give the church. Maybe the granddaughter is named Ecclesia. She's named the church, the gathering, the body of Christ. And so, well, Ecclesia, let me tell you a story. And he finds a story that's enduring enough to endure hard times. He says, well, let me tell you. Has there been a time when you felt so hungry that the person sitting next to you could hear your stomach growl? And she nods, yes. Has there ever been a time when the blustery wind blows by your ear and you hear a whistle that sounds like, should I go this way or that way? Should I do this or that? And you kind of have some self-doubt about what's right to do. And she says, yes. 
And Papa Luke says, well, have you ever been so hungry that everything smells like food? Even the rectangle rocks that are about the size of a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts in a box. Even those rocks can smell like food. Has that? Yes, Papa, it has. Well, that's the story I want to tell you, he says, about Jesus when he was in the wilderness. When the tough times came to the early church, these are the stories that they turned to. Remember, the Gospels were some of the last things written in the New Testament. It could have been that they had just had their fill with the Apostle Paul. There was enough pedantic, propositional prose in Paul to last him a while. I always feel for the lay readers who come up and read. It's always from the Apostle Paul, isn't it, Norm? Uh, it's, it's always this circular kind of... Uh, uh, a tongue twister, a theology that you wonder where it's going to go with a run-on sentence. What we need to hear is a story the early church figured out. They found strength in telling and retelling the Jesus story because it was similar to theirs. Jesus dies, and they are going to die. Jesus has hope in God that there's more to life than the power of death can extinguish. So did they. The Spirit of God came upon Jesus. It did the early church. The Spirit compels the church to live beyond its walls and take risks, as did Jesus. And while doing so, you are tempted to be somebody you are not, as was the early church. It was Reinhold Niebuhr, one who uh, Clay Manley studied with up at Union Seminary years ago, Reinhold Niebuhr said that there arises a new peril of evil upon every new level of the good. Think about that. As you reach new levels of the good, there are more possibilities for the perils of evil. As you get more money, as you have more prestige, as you have more power, that there's always more potential to do good, but there's also the peril of doing evil. Hasn't that been some of the discoveries of big denominations in our day and time? Whether the SBC or the RCC, the Southern Baptist Convention or the Roman Catholic Church, uh, isn't it? Some said that where where there is great power comes great responsibility. Jesus has to figure out in this text how he was going to be Jesus. Not if he was, but how would he be Jesus? What would it look like to be the Messiah? In so doing, he reenacts Israel's story. You see that number 40 in there? You remember the 40 number from in the Old Testament? The 40 years in the wilderness? Both Elijah and Moses uh, fasted for 40 days. Noah and family and animals on the ark 40 days. Even when Luke goes to tell the ascension story in the first chapter of the book of Acts, it's 40 days after Easter that there is the ascension. Lordy, Lordy, here's one more 40. In the text, 40 days in the wilderness Oh, yeah, and in the wilderness, didn't Israel 
walk through that same wilderness? Didn't they cross that same Jordan? Tough times are endured by telling tough stories that are enduring. I've mentioned before that one of the things that I believe keeps me grounded and as I work with ministers seems to help us be better leaders if we are more in in touch with our own story. In particular, our family of origin story. I remember it was at least 30 years ago, I was struggling in the church where I used to pastor with taking a difficult stand that I felt I needed to do, and I just couldn't find the courageous strength to do it. I was speaking with a peer group of which Bob Setzer was a member of. Remember Bob? He was associate pastor here about 130 years ago. And as we were talking over our family stories, he he said, well, you know, I see here in your family story, your grandmother found a lot of courage to say to your grandfather, you will not stay in the house and be an active drinking alcoholic. It is time for you to leave. He said, where did she find that kind of courage? I said, I'm not sure. She didn't seem that person of that much strength to me. He said, well, she sure found it here. If she found it here, maybe you can also find it here. And I remember when he challenged me in that way, it felt like something just began to unfold in me. It was like I went from a a, a VW Beetle, you know, to a transformer of Bumblebee, you know. I took a deep breath, my spine got straight, my eyes got clearer, and I knew what I needed to do and how I was going to find strength to do that. We find spiritual strength if we have a spiritual story to tell. That's number one. Here's the second thing. And second, you need a spiritual community in which to tell it. You need a spiritual community in which to tell it. Hope-filled stories must be nourished or they die. That's what we do here. That's why we come every week to hear the old songs, to read the old text, to pray prayers that matter, where we connect with the story that keeps on nourishing our lives. Most of the time when the church reads this temptation story, the Matthew or Mark or Luke temptation stories, we think of it very hyper-individualistically, right? About what am I facing in my life and what is my wilderness. But on this past Wednesday in the pastor's Bible study group, we talked about how might this be also a story of the temptations of the church, What temptations is the church going through? I'd mentioned that 40 years ago, a friend had sent me an article from Sojourners Magazine, and it was an article in there by Henry Nowen. This is 40 years ago. And what he said in the article were that the temptations of Jesus are the temptations of the church throughout the church's life. For all these 2,000 years. It was revolutionary to me. I never thought of it in that term before. For instance, he said the first temptation of turning stones to bread 
He said that's the church's temptation to be relevant. Oh, don't we want to be relevant? Rather than, he says, trust in the abiding and revealing presence of God. Not a temptation. The second temptation, throw yourself down. It's the temptation to be spectacular. Don't we want to compete for culture's attention? To be a consumer church, peddling a commodity to buy and control and package. You see, the gospel is far bigger than that. I I think... If, if the church is ever done in before the end of time, it will be done in because culture converts us to becoming consumers of commodity rather than Christians that follow Jesus. That's one temptation. The last temptation, the kingdoms of this world. Now and said that's the temptation to possess cultural power that looks like the rest of the world rather than trust in the converting power of God. Wow. Never thought of it like that, how we as a congregation or the American church or the North American church or the world church is being tempted in all those subtle ways to give up our birthright, to pass on our identity, and to change the kind of church that we are called to be. I think that is a a prophetic and, and powerful word because it's always nuanced and we are blind to it. That's why we need one another to help hold us accountable. Uh, Now, if the devil always appeared with the horns of a goat, the feet of a chicken, and charbroiled, like on the front cover of your order of service, or if the devil always appeared uh, wearing red, red underwear, I mean long red underwear, having a pointed tail, a forked tongue, and a dapper goatee, Well, it'd be easy to recognize that temptation, wouldn't it? But not the kind of temptations that we experience. It's more subtle than that. That's why we need a spiritual community for challenge and for accountability. I say to the Wednesday morning Bible study group, what we do every Wednesday for an hour around the table is very Jewish. We struggle over the texts. We get our hands dirty and muddy in the text. We go, well, that's one way of seeing it, but another way of seeing it. One rabbi says it's this way, but another rabbi says it could be that way. That it's somehow in the push and pull and argument and work that the Word of God becomes flesh and dwells in us and among us. You need a spiritual story to tell. And you need a spiritual community to tell it in. That's who we are and that's what we do. It touches me every Sunday morning when I walk by and and I see the children in in, in Sunday school. And I know they're in different places, but I see J.B. Gilbert in there singing songs and teaching stories. I see Susan Harlan in there doing artwork with the kids. Uh, Mary Lou teaching songs, Andrea working with them. And every year when we go to Tolliver County, we bring these Bible stories that the kids can, can get their fingers into, and we always help them memorize a Bible verse. Uh, do kids still memorize Bible verses? Do the rest of us still memorize 
Is that yes, Melissa? Oh, good. Oh, good. How, a, a saint over here. <laughs> it takes work. Uh, it's harder now because it's not all King James Bible. There was a day when all of that odd language only belonged to the Bible and Shakespeare. And so somehow it stuck in our minds differently. But Ms. Ruth and Mr. Johnson and Mrs. Walker, when I was a kid, Melissa and Corbin's kids' age, used to teach in Sunday school. And they would teach me, like Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times. Teach John 15, love one another as I have loved you. Or Psalm 53, at times when I am afraid, I will trust in God. These teachers taught me, and we memorized every week, and they had the highest tech audio-visual thing uh, in the world. It was a flannel graph. It didn't have the greatest Wi-Fi connection, that flannel graph, but it was the, I, the iPad of the 1950s. But I was mesmerized and learned back in the day. You know... When times get tough, what Ms. Walker taught me when I was eight years old, at times when I am afraid, I will trust in God. It's that story that she taught and endowed me with that follows me every day of my life. It's like the first lesson we began with. The leader says, when you cross into the promised land, don't just go with your stuff, your fruit, your vegetables, your harvest grains that you give as an offering to God. Just don't show up and hand it over. Tell your story when you do. A wandering Aramean was my father. That'd be Mr. Old uh, Jacob. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down to the land of Egypt and fell on hard times, and God heard us and delivered us. If you don't bring your story, you don't remember who got you here and why you belong. I was reading a commentary by a Jewish person the other day that reminded me that when you come into the land, the text says, invite the aliens to join you at the table. Translate that, immigrants. Because you yourselves were once aliens in Egypt. By the way, the word is not owners. It's inhabitants. Inhabit the land, but only God owns the land. Even we don't own the land. You don't own the body that you're in right now. Who will that body belong to in a hundred years? We are all inhabitants for a brief while. Well, it was uh, 40 days for Jesus. He endured the tough time. The devil leaves, but temporarily, and waiting for a more opportune time, says the text. What are you going to do this week as the wilderness comes, or the lingering pain lingers, or compassion exhaustion leaves you fatigue, or the pains of parenting, or the fatigue of grandparenting, and joys of grandparenting. We have 36 days to go in the season of Lent. We can make it. And you know why? We have a spiritual story to tell, and we have a spiritual community in which to tell it. Amen.
It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is given. To take the prayers and the words and the songs and let it move through our hourglass of decision and what might we do. We sing a song of invitation that some of us grew up singing. Matter of fact, we grew up singing 36 stanzas of it. And if no one comes forward, we're going to sing 37. Not today, but we will try to bring who we are to all of who God is, especially like that third stanza, just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt. I know about that. Let's stand together and sing.
Well, it promises to be a very rich and enriching week. There are many opportunities for education and worship and spiritual enrichment, as well as concerns that we have that I want to bring to you this morning. First, uh, just to take you through the week on Tuesday, remember there'll be Triple E. We've had a schedule change. Scheduled speaker had to cancel. The new speaker will be presenting on the topic of the Holocaust. Please uh, reserve a spot uh, and see Barbara if you haven't already. And then on Thursday, we'll, we'll begin our Lenten uh, Thursday series. If you pick up the pinnacle as you leave in the narthex, that's our newsletter. The schedule is printed there with the topics, and the theme is Characters Around the Cross. We hope you can join us each Thursday at 6.45 p.m., as well as the uh, plethora of insights and inserts you'll find in your order of worship, the Lenten schedule is printed there uh, as well. On Friday, you'll also see in the pinnacle, uh, the Rhodes Singers will be in concert from Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee. We'll be singing here in our sanctuary uh, this Friday at 7.30 p.m. We hope you can join us for that. And then on the back of that insert about the Linton worship is the information about the, the food drive that Andrea Johnson mentioned in the children's sermon, and that's open to all. You can bring in the foods that are listed there and place them in the crates that are in the narthex in front of the BCM table. That's Buckhead Christian Ministry, one of our uh, ministry partners that we have supported for years and to whom this food will go and benefit their clients. I want to mention a few uh, concerns uh, for prayer concerns for those in the congregation, uh, including Barney Moore, who continues to recover and rehab, for Muriel Hardy, Valerie Hardy's mother, who was released from the hospital and was back at uh, the Christian house uh, as of Friday, uh, and for Sandra Prince and for Larry Jr. We, we pray for them and their grief, and for all these, uh, we lift up to the Lord. It was a time of grief last week, but, but I want to bring celebration to you this morning. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people getting married this year. Caitlin's getting married. Allison will. Getting married. Anybody else? You're not getting married again, are you? Okay. David and Andrew are engaged to be married. And I think the proper liturgical response is hallelujah. We join you in excitement and may God bless uh, your, your marriage. Looking forward to walking with you in that. We're excited to celebrate with you. I want to call upon uh, Sid Janney, who's the chair of our nominations uh, committee, to come forward at this time and give us a word about nominating. Thank you, Sid. I've taken one of those little inserts. Remember how you used to, uh, when anything was in the... um, the order of worship, and you'd make a little hat out of it, possibly? (laughs) Well, I'm going to use it today as the hat I am wearing as chair of the church's annually assembled nominating committee, whose members are Jackie Poole, Jim Lester, Beth Laxton, Jill Dunn, and Allison Rowland. As we journey together in the Lenten season, we are asking each of you, whether you're a longtime member, a tired parent, or you have just newly joined, to incorporate a gifts and time inventory of yourself into this journey. 
The words of a recent offertory continue to inspire me. Though we be many people, diverse, with various gifts, we are given to each other for the unity of faith. So what's next? Look at the insert in your order of worship for the list of ministry teams that propel our church forward, along with this most creative staff of ministers, and place your name to serve on a team listed in the, on the North X table, either today or another Sunday. Also, take the insert with you today. Reflect on the church members, even yourself, you wish to nominate to serve on the diaconate, on the personnel, and finance committees. Whether today or at a later time, place your nominations in the nomination boxes available in the Narthex. Thanks for your time and talents in whatever way you can give them to our church for the unity of our faithful community. Appreciate you bringing us that word. And we'll continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings, uh, the singing of Lonesome Valley by Gilbert Martin. I must walk my Lonesome Valley. I have to walk it for myself. Nobody else can walk it for me. I have to walk it for myself. Let's continue our worship.
All-loving God, we ask for your help as we go through this week, for there are wildernesses to walk and wide rivers to cross, but your love will get us through. There are weddings to celebrate and wonder amidst uh, all that transpires. Receive these gifts as symbols of our commitment to you, to share in the good work of God. So bless and help and heal and hold us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
And whatever this week holds for us, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.